we have someone among us, Adam's mother, who usually watches online from Washington State. She came up to me and said, I watch every Sunday. I just love First Baptist New Orleans. And uh, we love you and all of our online friends and members. We welcome you as well today and thank God for you and those of you who are home, you moms, we, we thank God for you as well. And thank you moms for being here. My wife, Janet, is featured on the worship guide today. Stand up, Janet. Uh, she's been with me all these years. <laughs> She was singing alto while I was singing lead just a minute ago on that last hymn. And uh, I thank God for her every day. I am going to preach from 1 Corinthians 13 the next two Sundays. The grace of these is love. I show you more excellent way. Love never fails. That's chapter 13. And on uh, June 3rd, I'm going to preach uh, from Philippians chapter 2, that passage where you shine like stars as you hold forth the word of life. But you may not realize what happens just before that. So I'm going to focus on those verses, okay? So I hope that you'll be here uh, each Sunday as we look at uh, God's call to love one another. Today, I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, which is a special chapter to me as well. And uh, in the first part of this, Paul talks about the revelations and visions that he's had from God. He doesn't mean to brag, but he wants them to know, since they've had people in their assembly who have criticized him for not having visions and revelations he talks about those in the first part and then he talks about that thorn that God gave him and he said in order to keep me humble to keep me from being proud God gave me this thorn that buffeted me and he says I prayed three times to the Lord to deliver me from it and God said instead my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness and the apostle says most gladly therefore will I bear this infirmity that the power of God may rest upon my life. And then in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians, in the New American Standard Bible, the scripture says, Paul speaking to this church that he loves, here for this third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden to you, for I do not seek what is yours, but you. For children are not responsible to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls if I love you more. Am I to be loved less? Four simple things on this Mother's Day. I am ready to come to you. I will not be a burden to you. 
I do not seek what is yours, but you. I'm willing, even though you love me less. My mother had ten children. When I was standing in the yard one day as a freshman at college and saw her washing the clothes. She washed the clothes in the backyard in a washing machine that had a tub and it had ringers mounted on it and she would wash those clothes until she considered them clean and then she'd run it through the ringer and sometimes we had to run the clothes through the ringer and be very careful that we didn't get our fingers in the ringer. Have any of you done that? Okay, lots of people have. So I was watching her as an 18 or 19 year old washing the clothes and the clothes would go through the wringer and fall into the basket and sometimes on wash day my mother would have 10 or 12 baskets of linen and clothes that needed washing and I saw her bend down and pick up that basket of wet clothes and realized for the first time that she struggled with the weight of those wet clothes. That basket was heavy and she worked it onto her hip and she carried it over to the clothesline and thumped it down in the yard. And I thought to myself, maybe for the first time in my life, my mother works hard every day up before I'm up, in bed after I'm asleep. And some of this is taxing physical labor. And I had to be an 18-year-old before I realized how hard my mother worked. Isn't that amazing? The blindness of a child who can go through 18 years being cared for in every imaginable way. Oblivious to the sacrifice and price and energy and time that is required to care for all those needs. But she told me over and over again through the years, and it hadn't been a year ago when I saw her, that she grabbed me and turned her face, our faces toward one another, and she said, I want you to know I loved caring for you. Changing your diapers, washing your clothes. I loved caring for you. And I suppose she grabbed each one of her 13 children and caught their eye and looked them in the face and said, I loved caring for you. A mother's love is special. There's something about the way our mother loves us out of helplessness and vulnerability into independence there's something about the love that you give an infant a preschooler 
as you teach them the basics, the very basics of life. One author said, everything I needed to know I learned by the time I was in kindergarten. <laughs> I mean, that's what our moms do for us. And, and sometimes this succession of wonderful women who care for us through adolescence and college and into adulthood. It's an amazing kind of love. Now today, I want to talk to you about how the love of God is manifested in the Apostle Paul. If you read Paul much, you realize that this man is really driven. That he's got the goal in mind as we talked about last week and he's headed toward that goal. I think by nature, Paul is task-oriented. He's fire-breathing. He's focused on what he wants to do and he charges forward. And I think that's kind of the nature of this man. Slowing down learning about people, helping those along the way. I think he learned this, the lessons of love from the Lord Jesus in his revelation to Paul. And in that daily struggle to be the person God called him to be. Now, these four principles of love are simple but important. So, I hope that you can find how they apply to your life, okay? And the first one is, I am ready to come to you. I'm ready to come to you. All right, so there's been a breach in the relationship between the apostle and the people in this church. There have been rumors spread about him, lies told about him. People have said things that were unkind about the Apostle Paul. And he's responding to some of that in this letter. But here in this verse he says, I am ready to come to you. Now, it's the third time. Now for this third time, I'm ready to come to you. And I just want to say to you, love takes the initiative. Love is not passive, as we often suppose. We love our neighbor if we have done him no harm, we think. But love is active, and the apostle has learned with the example of Jesus who came from heaven and emptied himself of all those divine prerogatives for a time that he might be a man among men. God took the initiative in saving us. So the Apostle Paul is going to take the initiative in this difficult relationship with these folks who should be so grateful to him but seem to be so problematic and, and grumbling and complaining. I am ready to come to you. There's somebody in your life that you may be waiting to come to you. And you're thinking, it's their turn now. And I'm going to tell you, love does not take turns. Love doesn't keep count of wrongs that are suffered. 
Love takes the initiative. Love takes the risk. Love is willing to leave my turf, my space, my comfort zone, and step out of that place and go to the one that I love. I am ready to come to you. We had a breach in our family some years back, and a sister of Janet got upset with us and physically escorted us to the door and pushed us out and closed it behind us. And thus ensued months of a chilly quiet where we did not speak or see each other. And it was a grief to us that this happened. And though we did not understand why and all those things that took place, we still grieved the loss of that relationship. Well, the sister became pregnant. And she was an older mom, kind of like Anna Palmer. (laughs) Sorry, Anna. I tease her a lot, okay? And uh, Janet said to me, I'm going to call her and see if I can come and stay with her and help her when she has this baby. I said, okay. So Janet stepped out of the comfort zone, not because it was her turn. She didn't have anything to do, really, with the breach that had happened. And she called her sister and said, when this baby comes, I'd like to come and help you with whatever you need for two weeks. And the sister said, yes. And we had lunch with her this week. And it is a sweet relationship that God healed because Janet was ready to go first principle of love I am ready to come to you can you do it are you willing second one I will not be a burden to you oh yeah the apostle Paul wants to come you know what he wants He wants us to meet him at the airport with the limousine and run him down to one of those big hotels down by the river and put him up there and feed him caviar and lobster. That's what he wants. Apostle Paul's coming. We're going to have to take care of him the whole time. He's going to be a burden to us. That's what they were saying. And some of them had twisted history. And we're saying, you know, the first time he was here, that's all he did. He mooched off of us everywhere he went, ate our food, stayed in our beds. We washed his clothes. We took care of the apostle. Don't you remember that? And Paul writes to them and he says, hey, the time I was with you, I worked hard with my hands so you wouldn't have to pay for a thing. I supported myself. This is the church where he was bivocational. He was a church planner starting his church, and he was working on the side, supporting himself so he wouldn't be a burden to them. And he reminds that, them of that truth. And so he says, I will not be a burden to you. 
Love makes that confession. I want to be a blessing, not a burden. Okay, now, what's the difference between being a blessing and being a burden? The person who is a burden wants to be served instead of serving. The person who wants to be a blessing wants to be the servant, not the one being served. When you say in love, I will not be a burden to you, you are saying, I don't want to heap you with responsibilities. I don't want you to take care of all my needs. I am ready to come to you, and I'm going to take care of all of that stuff because I want to be a blessing to you, not a burden. George was a fine guy. My father liked him. He started coming over to the house. Dad was glad to see him. He talked about the ministry he wanted to perform. George started eating at the table a lot. Pretty soon he let Dad know he sort of needed a place to stay. They put him a trailer in the back. Pretty soon it became evident that George wasn't trying to help. He was trying to help himself. (laughs) He wanted somebody to underwrite all his expenses. Love, God's love, poured out through you, is the love that says, I'm ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden to you. Number three, I do not seek what is yours, but you. Is that not beautiful? I do not seek what is yours, but you. If you want to, you can try to turn every human relationship in your life into some kind of profit for you. You can see every human being as a potential client. And pretty soon people will pick up on it that you're interested in how you can use them to better yourself. You're not really seeking them. Look, it's great to have the client relationship. And it is important that we provide for our families. And I'm not criticizing that at all. The apostle writes this to the Corinthian church because some of them were saying, you know what that man of God wants? He wants your money. He wants your stuff. He wants what you got. Now, Church of Jesus Christ, if it surprises you that that's in the Bible, let me just say, it's nothing new. To suppose that the religious fellow 
is just looking to line his own pockets with your money. That he's out to fleece the sheep, not care for the sheep. That's not some new idea or rumor. That was going on with the Apostle Paul. So Church of Jesus Christ, let me just say to you, those people outside these doors, they need to know that you do not seek what is theirs, but them. They need to hear that clearly from the Church of Jesus Christ over and over. We're not trying to get your money and get your resources and your stuff. That's not why I'm inviting you to church. That's not why we want you to be part of this church. We want to serve you. I do not seek what is yours, but you. It's an important message today in this culture because every culture has religious leaders who just want the stuff and don't bother with the people. And if you're going into ministry or you're in a Bible study class or God has given you some opportunity to lead in ministry, you make sure that this is part of your mantra. I do not seek what is yours but you. I'm interested in you and who you are. I'm interested in knowing your story and helping if I can, if you need me. I do not seek what is yours, but you. Many things emerged in my trip to Papua New Guinea. I went there for two reasons. One of them was The Lords of the Earth, written by Don Richardson, and the story of the missionaries who came to that very primitive part of the world and carried the gospel, and the first missionaries were killed. And their story is in this book called The Lords of the Earth. The second reason I wanted to go to Papua was because Richard Adkerson was a friend of mine in worshiping here, and the largest copper mine in the world is in Papua. And it was fascinating to me, and somehow it came about. And I ended up in Papua, New Guinea with my wife for two weeks. And we saw this amazing mine. It's astonishing. And then I flew to this little village out in the middle of nowhere in the mountains where there are no roads. The only way you can get there is to fly or to walk. And when it came time for church in a little building the size of these two sections right here, over 700 people gathered. In a village of 2,000 people, they packed it up. And for 20 minutes before the service, the children sat in the first six or eight rows and sang. And I just sat there and loved it. It was amazing that God reached into that place with such power and grace. But you know, it was hard for the Papuans to believe that the missionaries just came for them, not their stuff. And over and over again, the missionaries had to say it. Look, I'm not after what's yours. I'm just here to share the good news of Jesus with you. 
people will not believe you at first. There's a great skepticism that anybody lives this way. I do not seek what is yours but you. That anybody would live this kind of life. I do not want to be a burden to you. I will not seek what is yours but you. You'll have to say it again and again. Say it to yourself. Say it to your mind and to your heart. Remind yourself that's why we're here. We're here to serve as Jesus served. We're here to be the greatest servant of all. We're here to serve so that they may know the Savior. That's why we're here. Saying it over and over again. And then to the folks outside who do not know. Just to assure them we do not seek what is yours but you. We are not here to be a burden to you. If you say this to people, it may take them a while to believe it. And they're going to have to see it in your life. But when they realize that you do not seek what is theirs, but them, it is a profound and wonderful witness to the gospel. It is a message that changes the heart and life. It is a lifestyle that is compelling. So many, so few people get this part of love. I am ready to come to you. I will not be a burden to you. I do not seek what is yours but you. And the fourth point, I'm willing even though you love me less. I couldn't love my mother when I was six weeks old or six months old. She loved me anyway. I learned somehow to love her in the course of growing up. But for long months, parents love children who cannot love them back in the same way that they love them. It's not fair, is it? It's not fair to ask you to be willing to be the one who loves more in your marriage, in your family. To say to yourself, I'm willing to love more than he ever will or she ever will. I'm willing to be the one who loves even though they don't love me as much. You say, I, that's not fair. No, it's not. It's how God loves you. It's, it is the love of God. God loved you when you were outside of his will and purpose. He loved you when all you wanted to do was fight with him or be angry with him. He loved you when you ignored him. He loved you from the time even before you were born. God has loved you passionately and fully all these years and he has always, always loved you more than you could possibly love him back. That's the love of God. How rich and pure, how measureless and strong 
passing understanding and comprehension. God loves us more and he's willing to do it again tomorrow. He's willing to love you more than you love him. And the apostle Paul said, I'm willing to. I'm willing to love you more even if you love me less. This kind of love that does not calculate the reward and the return is what we call agape, God's unconditional love. So often in our culture, I'll love you as long as I'm getting out of the relationship what I need. But if I don't feel like the returns are there, I'm out of here. Wouldn't it be sad if God said that to you? God said to you, I've been giving you, you know, 65 years to catch up with me. And you still don't love me as much as I love you. So I'm out of here. What if God said that to you? The whole room would be empty. And God would have given up on love. But he hasn't. And he doesn't. And he won't. Because love is the power that holds the triune God together. It is fundamental to the universe and how things really work. And you say, oh, I just don't believe that. You could say, I don't believe that love is fundamental to the universe. Let me tell you, if you believe in a loving God, then you believe that love is fundamental to how things are organized in this world. And one day you're going to discover that not evil, not sin, not power, but love was the foremost of all the qualities in the world. Don't give up on it. Say in your heart, all right, God loved me this way, so I'm willing, even though you love me less. And that transforming love that you give will change your world. It will be an extension and expression of the love God gave to you. And God will use it mightily in your life to make you more like him. So we read the account of Paul's love. I'm ready to come to you. I will not be a burden to you. I do not seek what is yours but you. I'm willing, even though you love me less. And say, Lord, make this happen in me. Bow with me, please. We're about to have our time of response as we bow together. If you don't know Jesus as Savior, this would be a wonderful moment to just bow and say, Lord, I know you love me. I believe you died on the cross for my sin and you rose again from the dead. And today I want to commit my life to you.
Would you do that right where you sit? Lord, today, forgive us for our sin. Reach down in mercy and grace to rescue us from all that binds us. Thank you for loving us more than we ever could love you. God, do your work in us in this moment of reflection. Show us what the next step is in our journey of love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.